0: Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a sexual health communications platform. I'm the host of the podcast, the founder, executive director of the nonprofit organization, and I basically teach people how to navigate herpes stigma. This includes initiating conversations about disclosing their STI status, um, asking a partner theirs, talking about testing, and it kind of extends into this relationship management skill set that has developed over the last six years of Something Positive for Positive People being a resource for people to safely share their experiences navigating STI stigma, primarily herpes. I do believe that with the integration of these lived experiences that people have had into sex education resources and STD prevention, we can in fact minimize the possibility of new transmissions and that's essentially what this podcast communicates. Um, So today, I have a guest here. I'll let you tell me if you want to say your name at all, but I have no reason to say your name because I'm talking to you. Um, But just speaking candidly about what this is, you reached out to me um, a few days ago, actually, and it was right after I implemented this boundary of um, if we're going to talk, like, have it be a recorded conversation more so that um, it can benefit the people who are listening to the podcast episode and I have a few reasons for this one of those reasons being that a lot of um, people that I've spoken with over time have just kind of came and got what they needed and just like left with no sort of contribution to the community at all whether that be a donation or some time sharing their stories podcast interview any of that so i want to make it a point now to start asking for something and i very much appreciate you being the first person that i'm doing this with because this is our first time actually talking and i don't know how it felt weird you know saying it at first too to be like hey i need this from you if you want need this thing for me so I very much appreciate you being willing to run through this with me or not even run through it but I want for you to understand that this is your time Um, whatever questions that you have feel free to ask me those questions whatever shares you have feel free to share whatever that may be and you can go into as much detail as you want um, with the understanding uh, of this being a published podcast episode and anything that needs to be edited out I can edit out for you all right cool so that all said uh i think that that sets the expectations moving forward for people who hear this if you got a herpes question or want to talk about any of that stuff like um, people generally call these like support calls or coaching calls. I don't want to call it that. You know, I want for people to be able to contribute to this community, and yeah. this is a safe way to do it, as well as support an organization that is um, essentially helping people navigate stigma in the way that we are. So, I guess I want to start with uh, just asking you, what made you reach out?
1: Um. Well. Thank you for everything you said, Um, I appreciate you not trying to be the herpes gatekeeper, Um, so um, I reached out because there's been something on my heart, Um, I told you a little bit about, I found out sort of accidentally that um, one of my friends also has herpes um, because I saw a valet cyclavier bottle on her um, bathroom counter and i have been on this journey to try and build community to try and find um safe spaces for me to share with people who understand um, what it's like living with hsv um and here it was like right in front of me like someone that i've grown very close with and i this was months ago and i have still found myself just like totally frozen on how um to bring this up to her So, um, yeah, I saw your page and I loved everything. I love the content. I think it's so necessary. And like I told you in my message, I've had HSV since I was 15 years old. I'm about to turn 30. So, man, like if I knew about something like your organization, like it just would have been game changing. Um, So yeah, I was like, F it, why not? Like, let me just shoot my shot. I definitely did not see your newly set boundaries even before I sent my message so it's just funny though right like timing timing is everything so um yeah it's i'm just happy to be here because i've realized that i have a lot of wisdom to share on this topic and this lived experience because i've had it for so long and i've navigated relationships and disclosures and and all these like ups and downs that um from speaking to other people in like support groups that people could really benefit from. Um, so I don't really want to hide anymore. Like, I don't really want to um, live in shame. I think there's too much growth and help to be to be given, um, something I wish I would have had. So I just want to be able to be that if I can for other people. And um, on that note, I'm kind of riding, I guess, a little bit of a, a herpes high right now because I had, two out-of-the-blue disclosures this week, one with a friend and another with a potential partner, and they both went extremely well, so um, I'm feeling really good about that.
0: Have your disclosures not always gone extremely well?
1: Um, They actually have, which I feel super blessed for, and I feel like is not at all what people think, especially when they first get diagnosed. They're like, oh my god, like, this is just gonna be like the worst thing. And, and to be honest, each disclosure has gotten better, each one that I've done. And I think that is because I've gotten more comfortable with my situation with myself and the energy that I'm bringing into the conversation is totally like setting the tone for their response. Um, yeah, so I, I, I realize I'm very blessed in that way. And you know, that being said, I am very picky and choosy with who I tell. Yeah. Um, because not everyone deserves to know. It's 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 more so that now than, like, I'm scared of people knowing. It's more so not everyone deserves to know that about me.
0: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I have a question because I, I know that there's constant debate, and I talk to different people who have different opinions, but they say that it's harder for men to disclose or be accepted by women. Uh, and I think that that kind of stems from how easy – It is for a woman to get sex. So, like, Mm. men are expected to initiate. And I'm I'm making an assumption. Are you heterosexual? I'm
1: actually bisexual.
0: Okay. Well, let me ask you this: Do you have Have you noticed any difference between uh, men and women's responses to you disclosing? Um, that's a
1: great question. Um, not particularly. No. Um, I totally. I appreciate that question because I definitely understand, like, the the energy behind, like, why it would seem easier for a guy who's seeking women to, like, accept something like that than, like, a woman accepting that from, from a man. Um, it shouldn't be that way, but um, this is the society we live in and all the conditions we're under. So, um, I can't say in this moment that I've seen a difference, um, most I will say in terms of sexual partners, most of my disclosures have been to men, though. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm definitely speaking more from majority um, disclosing to men that I've been intimate with.
0: Yeah, and just for the sake of kicks and giggles, if you hadn't had herpes, and I know it's hard to imagine because you've had it for your entire sexual life. Mm-hmm. Um, If someone were to have disclosed to you that they have herpes, do you know how you might have received that?
1: Oh, man, this is something I think about. Um, Yeah, so that's tough because I would, of course, I feel like I would love to sit here and be like, oh, I would I would totally accept it and be so compassionate and it's—I don't know that I can say that because having herpes has made me the level of compassionate that I am today. Mm-hmm. So, I'm—I'm I'm operating through that lens. So I think um, I would love to believe that you know, as I've grown, maybe depending on what stage of development I was at when someone told me that I would, but it's. Can I I cuss on this podcast? You can.
0: Yeah, you can. I just got to check the more explicit box. (laughs) Okay.
1: I just want to say it's kind of fucked because of just like how little everyone knows that adds to the stigma, whereas if somebody was to come and disclose this to a person who hasn't really done their own research on on, um, STDs and all of that, they're only operating from what they know, right? From their place of like what they've been taught. So All I knew until I got it, and even still when I had it for years, was fear-based everything. Just like, this is the worst possible situation. Like, it happens, this only happens to people that sleep around, that are like, quote-unquote, dirty, irresponsible. Like, So if I was still in that mindset, I probably, I'll say I would have taken pause and been scared. Mm-hmm. Which, which I understand, and that's why like I try to give, I try to bring compassion into my disclosures because people only do what they know, and I know it's not my job as someone living with HSV to be like the torchbearer and like teach people that hey, it's not that scary, like it's actually fine, but. If that happens, that's amazing because I I don't take it personally that people just don't know what, what's good. Like they just don't know.
0: Yeah, and I'm asking so, you all these questions, and you reached out to me with questions. Did I even answer your additional question that you reached out for? Well, um, <laughs>
1: we didn't get there yet, but I it, I'm totally fine. Like I um I do well with prompts, especially talking about like this topic. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's such a good question though. Um. Yeah, I, I would lo- I would like to believe that like the way I was raised and like my own like inquisitive mind. I like to do my own research about anything and everything. I'm just like a, a seeker in that way, I guess. Um, that I would have taken it upon myself to be like, all right, I'm gonna do some research. I'm gonna think about this and uh, get get back to you, but. Yeah,
0: that's what we like to think, right? <laughs>
1: I know, that's I, I'm not trying to be like I'm trying to be real, raw, and honest, and I and I just don't really know what I would have done. Okay.
0: So yeah. you had you had herpes since you were fifteen. You're about to be thirty. Why now? Like why look for resources now?
1: Oh man. Well, I will say I started to seek community probably like a year or two ago. And to be honest with you, because my way of dealing with this, what I felt for so long as a life sentence, um, was just suppression, was just, I don't want to know that part of myself. I only deal with it when and if I have an outbreak, and then it just doesn't exist. It's not part of me. I totally just was not integrating it at all. And I think when something like that happens to you at such a young age, like my parents didn't know how to deal with that shit. Like my sexual education I got in school was horrible. It was just, it was just so to sit in health class and see like these photos on the screen and be like, yo, that's me. Like, and everyone around me is just like, oh my God, like what the fuck? Like that, that's. No one should ever have to feel that way. Um, so, yeah, my method of coping was just pretending like it didn't exist until I had to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and um, I guess, you know, I've evolved so much as a person, like, and I just realized, I'm like, yo, I have this thing about me that, like, I am could actually be a source of strength and could actually, has made me into the empathetic, compassionate person that I am today and so I want to know more about that part of myself and see what can come from it um yeah I don't know it was just operating from a place of like self-loathing and and all of that because nobody showed me anything different I didn't know any adults like that were living with this I didn't know anything I didn't see any good examples of like hey your life isn't gonna suck like you're gonna find love like you're going to have so many great sexual experiences, like all these things. I just did not see that. So I just thought my life was over.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. And speaking from that perspective, what you just shared was really important because you said you wanted to use this as an opportunity for growth. I think that that might not have been the exact words that you used, but that's kind of what I heard. Uh, yeah, because it's that's something that this can be. You know, herpes diagnosis is an adversity and the way that we respond to that adversity really is an opportunity for us to see who we are, like how can we handle other adversities, right? There's yeah. gonna be perhaps other health diagnoses that you'd have to deal with, life circumstances, things in your career, things with your passions, things in relationships, and this is one pathway of being able to go through and see you know, who you are. And I think that I've seen so many people kind of like just give up in a way. Uh, I've seen more people be in that space than to go through this. Uh, I often speak about like trauma response. We've got fight, flight, freeze, fawn. And then like everybody knows what those are. But I speak about this forward response where you are able to understand that you're triggered and that emotion that feeling of being triggered is the same thing as being excited like we don't know the difference our body doesn't know the difference between being excited or being afraid we still have that intense adrenaline rush it's our thought process our ability to choose what we're going to make of that energy and what to do with it that allows for us to move forward so we can respond out of survival or necessity or we can make that response in a way that progresses us forward toward our goal. And I think a lot of us don't necessarily have a goal. It's like something was taken from me and now I'll never have that again. And we're just kind of lost and wandering for a while up until it comes to a point where we're like, okay, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to heal. I'm going to um, be healthy. And when we give ourselves that thing to uh, point that excited energy towards, I think that that's where we begin to experience that growth, or whatever the feeling is that is accompanied by uh, our pursuit of said goal. In this yeah. book called *Psycho Cybernetics* by Dr. Maxwell Maltz, he speaks about how the mind cannot tell the difference between what is real and what is imagined, and he uses this analogy of like us being goal-striving mechanisms, and. Yeah it's like being on a bicycle. So as long as you're pedaling forward towards something, you're upright, but the minute you stop, you start to wobble or you slow down, you're wobbling. And then when you stop completely, you fall. So we need goals in order to move forward. And it sounds like in this case, for you to move forward through your herpes diagnosis, you kind of pedaled toward this being an opportunity for growth for you. Yeah. um,
1: I have so many thoughts about everything you said. Number one, I I just feel like it's not people living with they just be like it's it's the part that I want to focus on is like it's not our fault that this is the response. It's it's a symptom of the society we live in. That the fact that someone should feel like their life is over or in the worst case that they wanna end their life or that they cannot they cannot fathom a future living with this. Like, the fact that that is a very real thought and feeling for people speaks to how how we've been failed in terms of, like, our education and, like, just the truth behind, like, what, what this virus, like, really is. And um, that's sad. That's really sad. Um, and, and I'm grateful that organizations like yours and platforms like yours are working towards changing that. Um, but yeah, to your point, momentum, like it's all about momentum, right? It's like if we're moving forward, if we're using our pain as, as some type of fuel or like alchemizing that into something beautiful to share with other people, um, that gives us purpose. And I think when you feel purposeless is like when you stop and, and when you get into a state of, um, of just um, melancholy, like about life. Um, so, but I really like what you said about adversity because the fact that I got diagnosed so young, as shitty as a lot of those years were, um, it prepared me for things that came later down the road that I don't know how I would have dealt with had I not already been through, quote unquote, the worst thing of my life.
0: It's interesting you say that because it, it, I do think about this, like how easy has most people's lives been for this to be the thing that sends them over the edge. You know, you you have to be very careful with how you say that, but it's come up in conversations. You know, I ask people, okay, what's the hardest thing you ever had to deal with? And, uh, you know, in some cases, losing a parent to cancer, right? And it's like, you think this is harder than that, (laughs) right? Um, Or even going through Just some of the roughest of times, like financially, or go ahead, go ahead, you look like you're I
1: haven't thought, because I totally have thought about this, and you know what it is, it's because those situations, people feel sympathy and empathy, and you, you, you're held, people don't feel bad when, when, for people with herpes, it's like, okay, you're not gonna die, and but it can't be cured, but it's it's like there's no there's no sympathy or no like love and compassion shown. So I think that's why it feels so like um like an identity loss, like something that just has like stripped you of um of your worth to society and, and to um people. And ultimately, we all want to feel connected to people. We want to find love. We want to have friends. We want to have relationship, community, and having this feels like you won't have that. And I think that's why it feels so deeply, um, just, just like, I don't know, like an annihilation. And
0: that was a strong word. <laughs> I
1: know well, it's, it's felt like It's felt like that um, yeah. And you know When, when, when things when, when unfortunate things Happen to you Such as like um, A death or, or like
0: I guess I it's know, also easy To disconnect from those things Because death happens around you Unless you're the one who dies Right Yeah And there's still a grieving process But it's so much easier To grieve other people Than it is to grieve Your identity In relation yes. to that other person yes. So when we grieve the loss of a person, let's say um, I think something relatable for many people might be a friend right? It's not just that friend that we're grieving who's not here anymore. We have to grieve who we were in relation to that person, who we are going to be now as a result of losing that person and who we thought ourselves to be if that person were around. So we've got all these avenues of grief and the way that they're expressed. And I talk more about this on um, the Erin Davidson episode, um, Breakthrough the Breakup. She talked a lot about grief uh, and like the complexities of it. Uh, But yeah, just speaking to your point of (laughs) annihilation of identity, I always say sexual health is mental health. And so much of our identities are interconnected with our um, sexuality. So that annihilation is actually an annihilation of self in our opinions versus it being A need for us to just reevaluate our sexuality and those components and I see people put so much of a priority on their herpes diagnosis and I mean I've done this as well to where nothing else really mattered and through Mm -hmm. that you can end up in some really terrible relationships just because that other person accepts you for your diagnosis so part of the communication piece here is also mitigating the potential of domestic abuse or uh, Mm -hmm. violence against someone or Uh, having violence be done to you because of that upfront communication. I really do believe that a lot of what I've learned through interviewing people has come down to these conversations about sexual health, expanding further into conversations about consent as well as being able to identify abusive behavior or healthy behavior and being able to go into relationships with proper expectations set that can um, really set the foundation for something that's going to be a positive experience for all parties involved and I think that how people respond to their herpes diagnosis is a manifestation of like you said like our society and the way that you know if someone gets sick uh, mm. it's oh I hope you get better soon whereas if someone gets what sick can from, I do for
1: what can I do for you how can I help you
0: Yeah, but if you get sick from sexual contact it's like oh And I don't think there's really a herpes stigma anymore. Like, I'm seeing it for what it is. It's more of a sex stigma. Like, that's really what the issue is. Because people with cold sores or HSV-1 orally, they don't have HSV-1. They have cold sores. And there's that disconnect from it as well. I just saw this thing. Today someone sent me. This woman in Atlanta, she swears that all her friends, the night that she chose not to go out, all her friends got herpes from smoking hookah together, and was uh, just like, I'm never going to not have a job. As long as that kind of ignorance is out there, I, I'm, I'm going to be okay, but yeah. you know, it sucks because I would like to move on to something else or other things, but... I guess like that's just one of those signs that this is needed here, so I'm yeah, gonna keep doing what I'm doing and that's it.
1: Yeah, I really, um, I like what you said about, or like the fact that you brought up um, these conversations turn into more than just talking about herpes. because um, Because I was never interested in knowing myself intimately because of this diagnosis. I didn't even know how to like mourn because we're talking about mourning and grief. Like when you do get this diagnosis, just like any change in life, you grieve a past version of yourself. 15 years old. I was still learning on how to even become myself, let alone like, how do I grieve this person that I'm not anymore now that I'm living with this. So I definitely, ended up in several relationships that were, for sure, like, emotionally abusive. And it was because as long as they loved me, that was proof that I was worthy. As long as they, like, like the simple existence of our relationship was enough for me at the time to tell me that it's not that bad. I wasn't able to do that for myself, so I looked for that in other people. And, um, yeah, that kept me in some very um, messed up situations way longer than I should have been. Um, so, yeah, and just even going back to your adversity comment and, and how having this kind of sets us up to deal with that. Um, so I told you I was diagnosed when I was 15, uh, my first partner ever, my like my first everything. Um,
0: how old was this age, partner?
1: He was 16.
0: Okay.
1: 17? Yeah, we were way too young. Um, but so um, lived with that for a long time and then fast forward to age like 26, 27 um, I was in a really another relationship where the person um, ended up so I, I had HSV-1. I got it from um, cold sore to like oral sex situation um, and I'm in this relationship with this new person many years later, and we have a really, really, really traumatic breakup. Um, and he gives me a call and um, says, You know, hey, um, something happened down there. Like, I think, like, you might have given this to me. Like, I, I'm really, like, afraid. And I'm like, First, I'm like, Oh, fuck. Like, okay. Like, do you know you got tested? Like, do you know what strain? Like, do you know what? which one that they said you have and he's like yeah uh, hsv2 and I was like that's not me my guy so i'm sorry but the the fucked up gag here is you actually now gave me hsv2 possibly so um yeah that was like to to bring it all together i think if i wouldn't have been living with hsv1 up until that point and that happened to me i would have just like fell apart but when he, he told me that news, and um, I went and got tested again, and um, unfortunately, sure enough, like, um, he, him, it turned out he actually had it a long time ago and never told me. It was just so, it was very, yeah, he he ushered me. Um, but, um, he, yeah, so, that's I'm right on the
0: street. Anyway. We, can't <laughs> we can't say
1: that, we can't say that. Yes, you might have to take that out,
0: but... Um, I mean, you said it. If you want me to take it out, I can. I just needed to say, oh, that's messed up. We can't say that. Yeah.
1: Um. No, that's actually what a friend said to me. I was like, damn, that's kind of funny, but that's fucked up.
0: It's um, more funny than it is fucked up, but... Well, but
1: yeah, he... he yes, he, he didn't disclose to me and then kind of tried to be like, hey, like I think you gave this to me situation. But um. my point in all of that is... I was just like, you know what? I've been through this. I've been through worse than this. So like I'm just gonna adapt.
0: Wait, did y'all get back together? That's where I thought you were going with this. Like it was oh, just no, easy. No. No, 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 um no,
1: that was no. It was it was a it was a back and forth for a long time leading up to that. Mm-hmm. Um, on and off again, but but that was for sure like a point where I was like, yeah, you're fucking with my health now, and, like, that, that's that gotta go, like, yeah. that has no place in my life, so, um, yeah, but adversity, like, like, dealing with that, um, I, I handled it so well, and I was actually shocked, but I attributed it to, um, all the years that I carried living with HSV-1 and, and how I dealt with that, and that was just amazing. It was so weird to feel gratitude in that moment because I was like, man, I should be, like, freaking out right now. But I was just like, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be all right. All
0: right. So that's where you were at that point in time, and you seem to be at a very healthy place. Like, I still want to figure out, like, why would someone like you, who is perfectly fine in your experience, Uh, like need anything like what do you need if anything at all I know you reached out about the situation kind of like looking for community and there it was in front of you this whole time so um I guess my question to you would be do you want to initiate a conversation with your friend and just be like hey girl listen Mm -hmm. I I, I'm dealing with this too or like just seeing how she feels it seems like a, a weird thing to bring up like hey i saw your right. medication i got that too like you know i what know I mean?
1: yeah totally i've been going back and forth and in, in my mind and it's like well i do need a lot um and i'm not perfectly fine <laughs> um i'm learning how to love myself because i don't think we've been given the tools on how to love ourselves to this I was in a support group one day, like a Zoom support group for for like the local um, area here, and the one facilitator was like, "Guys, you just gotta love yourself, right? You just gotta love yourself and tell yourself every day that like I'm I'm this, like saying all these affirmations, I'm this." And I was, and I like raised my hand. I was like, "I just want to add something to that." Oh, oh, he actually called him and he was like, "Taylor, do you love yourself?" And I was like, "Look, like I'm learning how to love myself. Are it's not as okay? simple."
0: Are you okay having your name in this? Yeah. Okay, cause you said it. I was like, oh. I
1: did. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm fine. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna okay. hide anymore. Like it is what it is. Um, yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm learning how, and it's not as simple as just saying love yourself. We need to be given and shown the tools. Like, what does it even look like? Like, how do I do that? Like, so, so I'm. Yeah, it's. I
0: can't.
1: I'm not perfectly fine. I'm still learning, and I realize that I. I just thrive in connection. I, relationships are everything to me, like support, and I really feel so much better when I have community that um, I can relate to and feel safe with.
0: Okay, um. So there's some stuff that I've learned over the years of being in support groups talking to people and a lot of the people who facilitate these support groups even me like we're not qualified to deal with some of the stuff that we have to deal with and I get I get a little bit angry at people who tell people love yourself just do this thing and you'll be fine it frustrates me because it's not as simple as that and it's also pretty isolating because I think that we do live in this society especially on social media that glamorizes this self-care take care of yourself love yourself like stuff but the reality is that we are communal creatures and being around other people give us the it gives us the opportunity to be ourselves and there's often a time where we're at a crossroads between I can do what's in alignment or I can do what's out of alignment and the more practice that we get around other people doing what's in alignment even if that's telling these other people hey I need to be away from other people that is how we use people uh to learn ourselves and practice being ourselves and that is sort of uh, what loving yourself begins to look like. It's mm-hmm. not being faltered out of who you are. And, you know, we hear about, oh, you need to be uh, with someone who unconditionally loves you. And it's like, nah, I don't think that's the case. I think it's more about unconditional acceptance. I accept you for who you are no matter what. You know, I mean, until some harmful stuff might yeah. be happening.
1: Across. Yeah.
0: yeah, but i don't like that like we need community that's where we heal and having friends yeah. family and being around people and being able to share because i think what that teaches us is we need to be happy with being alone what do we do when we're sad we only be around people when we're sad nobody want not be around that all the time so now yeah. you've got like proof that you're better off alone or that you're happier alone and your threshold mm-hmm. for um for your self-love begins to lower. But I think that the self-love threshold increases the more that we can allow ourselves to be in community and relationships and be around people that give us the opportunity to practice that. So I I, I needed to just drop that little piece in there because it's important. And, so much of social media is like telling us we don't need people. Actually, we, yeah. we do. We do need people. And anyone who's telling you you don't is probably getting money out of you in some kind of way. You don't need people. Just book a session with me.
1: Yeah, right? It's, I mean, relationships are how we learn about ourselves, how we grow, how we test out the newly um, built muscles so to speak emotional muscles mental muscles like that's you can't do it by yourself like you just can't and you have you have to practice um so yeah i i think there's a lot of um like you said a lot of propaganda out there about um self-made this and and this hyper independence
0: hyper independence Um, yep
1: That has taken us away from community, and we've forgotten that, like, since the dawn of time, since our existence, we've survived because of community. Like, because, uh, yeah, it's it's frustrating, but um, yeah, I I, I agree with what you said, um, and I guess to to bring it back, yeah, I just why is it that I have this close friend um two actually that i know i have a common thread with and i can't bring it up like why is that like that shouldn't be a thing if we're as close as we are we should be able to be there for each other um but every time i think about saying something that fear creeps up of like well, you don't want to lose this friend or like, well, what if she like rejects you? So it's like, it's interesting that even though I've come this far, even fear is still a control mechanism, like in my life.
0: So I have a very real time example of something that happened for me when I started to show up in the herpes support groups, positive singles specifically, I'll say their name, whatever. Uh, I was on Positive Singles. I was in these chat rooms when I, probably like 2017. It was 2017. And my friend over here, Brad, say hey Brad. <laughs> He's been Hello? like sneaking around, being quiet. <laughs> <I> <laughs> did he did the bathroom one time. I, I,
1: you, I saw the door opening. Did you? The like, what's you did great.
0: But, um, yeah, I remember I was sitting at his house actually. And, uh, there were other people over there and I was just like in my phone and it was him he asked me he was like hey man you alright you don't seem like yourself and that made me think for so long I was like wow this person who we don't cry together we didn't fought each almost fought each other fought yeah, other man. people <laughs> like this person who I've known at that point for like 10 years knew so much about me except this one thing. But I was right. more engaged virtually with complete strangers who only knew this one thing about me. And so when that wow. happened, I started wow. to like, I started to tell people. I started to tell my friends. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and in fact, like um, one of my best friends, I remember he told me, because I have had herpes for as long as he's had twins. And when he told me that he was about to have twins, I was like, man, at least it ain't herpes. And I remember that like conversation and being able to laugh about that. But I think that what that offered was an opportunity to, like, get closer. And, like, yeah, totally. it, it, it really opened up this opportunity for intimacy. And, you know, we look for oftentimes in sex, we hope to get intimacy. But intimacy is legitimately all around us. Like
1: Oh, yeah
0: using this as a tool to practice vulnerability intimacy emotional availability especially in a time where again that self-love self-care movement is essentially perpetuating emotional avoidance and unavailability I, i'm i'm learning like how to communicate this but after just kind of sitting and observing a lot of the spaces that i'm in like that's what i see i see a lot of like selfishness essentially. And a lot of isolation. And I think that that compounds when a difficult situation or challenging thing occurs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That is such a good point. And and that's exactly how I feel about It's actually two of my homegirls that I know. And it's like, you know, am I really about to miss out on like a deepening of friendship, of a building of intimacy with two people that I would go to if like my life was in danger, like if I needed something like, and I can't talk to them about this, like, that's just insane. Like, that's crazy.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but once again, I'll go back to saying like that is not a fault that it's that way. Like it's, it's the stigma that surrounds, um, this diagnosis and seeing it as a death sentence and, and as like trash and like just unworthy. And, um, still it still amazes me even to this day how much like herpes is like um talked about as like like joked about in like um stand-ups and like tv and movies sometimes like yo that it's tired y'all like it's tired like why are we still like and it's just easy because it's easy to go there um but i have seen kind of more of an an acceptance in, in maybe like newer material um that's out there and more of a informed um way of talking about it and In the media and TV and all that, but um yeah, just for so long it's just been like the butt of it of all the jokes. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of easy to feel like, well, fuck, I'm not trying to be like the butt of that joke. So.
0: So you know what I've seen? I've only been doing this for six years. I'm sure there's people who've been in this space longer. But from what I've seen is like, if you make fun of HIV the hiv community is going to come for you if you make fun of lgbt people the lgbt community is going to come at you if you talk about black people white people who are offended are going to be more offended than black people and like (laughs) come after you right and the the whole thing about like The people who have herpes is that we're not gonna say anything (laughs) like I might I might get sent the same thing from a hundred people a hundred people will send me a post and go can you believe this it's like yes I can because you and 99 other people won't say hey this ain't cool
1: we're all in hiding
0: and I'll comment comment on things uh, that Speak ignorantly about herpes, or that present misinformation, or anything that's inaccurate. I'll comment on it, and then like some people will like it. Some people will follow me, and then there's some there's some times, and it's only I hate to say this, but it's ninety nine point nine percent of the time it's black people that just say some ignorant shit, and it's only black people that do this to me yeah. every time, and the platforms that they speak on are um entertainment like it's entertainment so everything's supposed to be funny like nothing's really serious yeah. and now here I come with this educational stuff and that's probably my biggest obstacle I remember having my sessions with my therapist and he made a comment he was like yeah you know the next step is going to be engaging with this community where you're needed like where this information is needed it's like bro I can't get in there <laughs> right? right like right. white right. people yeah are always like, it's so amazing to hear a black man talk about this. It's like, uh, to you. Yeah, why, why do you
1: think that is? <laughs> What's that about?
0: Um, it's, ooh, I think it's a few different things. One of the biggest things is that we just typically black and brown communities, we don't want to layer the, um, oppression isn't the word, the marginalization. We don't want to layer our marginalization. Mm-hmm. So black women You know, you've got being black, you've got being a woman, and now you add an SCI on top of that, and it's like, no, uh uh-uh, I'm I'm denying this one. My skin is this, I present as that, but I can hide this one. So we'll also see it just withheld, you know, in these communities as well. Like, people don't want to talk about it because they don't want to be further marginalized with men it's like being black being gay and having hiv and having herpes right so you've got all these compound stereotypes and lenses that people will view you and judge you from right so i think that that is why it's such a problem and i think that the coping mechanism for that is expressed in the form of entertainment or humor or just complete avoidance and just acting like it doesn't exist uh, religion yeah. plays a big role in it. Um, the the way that we grow up, you don't talk about this. You don't talk about shameful stuff. Mm. Those are the things. So, like, in these spaces with more um, white people, you tend to see, like, even with the LGBT community, I notice that there's a lot more acceptance for this kind of conversation in those spaces, as well as the kink and BDSM community, because it's such a normalized topic of conversation that it's not really a surprise when someone does have herpes
1: yeah yeah yeah. that's so true it just makes me think about just like all the intersectionalities that um, exist and are are real and true Um, yeah that's such a good point Um,
0: yeah so to answer your original question, <laughs> the <laughs> way that I invite you to approach your friend, you know, you can either yeah. be slick with, you, be like, hey, I noticed you got some Valtrex, can I have some of that? I'm, I think I might be having a herpes outbreak.
1: I'm, oh, my God, So, you yeah. can
0: just smooth say that, or you can just be like, oh, I did this podcast, this is a way you can bring it up, or, you know, you can just, hey, I saw this one day, and I was very Hi. curious about, you know like how like can we talk about this is this something that you're okay with talking about because i've been wanting a friend like i got diagnosed with herpes at 15 and here you are like right here somebody who might understand because she also might have a completely unique experience or it could be like something that she even needs to talk about i'm assuming that this person's a a she is that accurate yeah okay
1: yes and and yeah like i've literally prayed for this, like I've literally like prayed to have friends that I can relate to in this way, and here's an opportunity that's like right in front of me, that, um, a part of me is willing to just like let slip by. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think I'm just like, just gonna pass fear aside and just like keep it real. Like, yo, I saw this. Like, I only reason I know what that is is because I have it too. So like let's talk about it yeah like what's your story like just keep it real honestly um yeah so it's been a build-up of like how to bring it up when to bring it up but um yeah it feels like it's time because i feel like i've self-abandoned for so long living with this strong strong experience there like self-abandonment um I'm learning in therapy as well a lot about like what that even means and feels like and how that has been such a big part of my identity um and not bringing this up feels like self-abandonment like continuing to have friendships where I can't be my full self because at the end of the day like this is a huge part of who I am so like if I feel like I can't um Talk about it, then I'm not really being my full self. Then it's I'm keeping that on reserve, and I lived that way for so long, so it just felt normal. It just felt normal, like, like herpes is that, that's not a part of me. Like, like I said, it's only something I deal with when I have to. Um, but now it's it, I don't want that anymore, um, for myself and for, for anyone that has it. So, um, yeah, no more self abandoning,
0: yeah yeah thank you thank you for reaching out thank you for being willing to do this and like i said like this is new for me um to let this be how we talk and to make it an episode because i want for people to be involved i want people to invest in this community like it's here and we have the ability to connect with each other and allow that to facilitate our own growth healing and Get whatever else we need because oftentimes we don't even know what we need until we're exposed to it it might take 15 years it might take one year i had somebody reach out to me two weeks after they were diagnosed and they were like this is what i want to do this is what i need and i was like yes i'm so happy that you were able to find these resources now and cut the time down by years yes. <laughs> potentially oh, uh, to be yeah. able to decide how you want to move forward so you contributed and I appreciate you for everybody who's listening. Um, if this is something that you're interested in, all we're doing is just hitting record. We're looking at each other. I'm only recording the audio and we're having a conversation. That's all this is. And if anybody has questions or wants to talk about herpes stuff or get like one of those support or venting sessions, you can make a donation. Send me a screenshot of the donation with your question or we can do this. So, uh, do you have any questions or anything that you'd like to leave people with before you go? Ooh, that puts you on the spot. I can do the outro. I can do the outro and if you think of something.
1: Okay.
0: All right. Well, uh, that concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, share, subscribe to this podcast, and, of course, donate www.spfpp.org. If you want to reach me, I'm on Instagram at Courtney Brame underscore. I'm on TikTok, which I hate being on TikTok. I don't. I, I just I don't. Uh, but I gotta be there. Uh, at uh. Courtney Brame underscore. And um, yeah, I'm in the process of getting IRB approval for the next big herpes survey. I would like to see us get 1,000 people again. I know we can get more than that, but I'm setting my expectations. Because last time I was like, I hope I get 200 people and ended up getting 1,100. So I want to set the bar for 1,000. It's easy for me to do math off of that. But if we get more, cool. I deal with that problem when we get there. Um, Yeah, but donors, podcast guests, and um, any opportunities for funding. One of the things that I want to do is integrate these lived experiences into STD prevention efforts as well as sex education resources so that we can go down the line and reduce the odds of new STI transmissions. Did you think of what you wanted to say now? Did you have like some yeah. words of wisdom for us? What you got? Yeah,
1: I got, I got a little something. Alright, I'm ready. <sighs> okay. Um. Yeah, it's just something I wanted to say was just like, you know, life is always happening for us and not to us, so um, it's hard, but but get curious about yourself and and how this, what feels like a curse right now, could actually be like your biggest blessing, um, and yeah, that's all I have to say.
0: Alright, well, uh, I'm going to go ahead and stop recording, and... Nice. Catch y'all on the next one. Oh, I almost hung up on you. Hold on, this is stop recording.